Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Mornings Without Carmen for the 21st of December. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in this morning as Carmen has a well-deserved day off. But the show remains relatively the same, and uh, certainly we have a regular guest that joins us uh, what, about every couple of weeks, right, Paul? Every two and, um, weeks. Yeah, yeah, every two weeks. And uh, and good friend, uh, Dr. Linda Mintel. Linda's going to be joining us to talk about a very COVID Christmas here in a couple of minutes, but we thought we'd bring her a little early because we had a, a pretty delightful conversation off-air just now. Good morning, Linda. Good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you. Yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas to you as well. We were talking a little bit about what we wanted to make sure would happen here, you know, and knowing that we have to adjust our expectations. And we'll talk about that again in a little bit about how this we, we can handle this week to come. But but is there one or two things, Linda, that you want to make sure you can still experience here this upcoming uh, Christmas season? Well, we were talking about it because I did do my drive through lights on the beach. Now, I know in Minnesota, that's a little harder. They might be lights on the lake, maybe, that they can find there. But Yeah, it's mostly um, lights it's, in the brown tundra at this point, Linda. It's part, of, it's part of what Paul and I are a little bitter about. You said you're on a beach doing this. Well, you don't. it, it doesn't have to be warm. So here's the thing. Every year, we go to Virginia Beach um, because we lived there for so many years. And it was a holiday tradition. And what they do is they used to. Now, this year, we didn't have hot chocolate. They used to serve hot chocolate before you would pay your little ticket You'd get your hot chocolate. They tell you which uh, radio station to put on for acoustic music. And then you drive on the boardwalk a long, long way. And they have lights all over the top of you, on the sides by the hotels, and then all on the sand. And Santa and his sleigh are actually going out into the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> it's totally awesome. <laughs> You can still do that during COVID. Yeah, you can still do that during. And you know, Linda, are you somebody who really likes just the the real traditional white light, the the sort of the stated elegance of the white light, or do you like all the colors mm-hmm. coming out at once? I do. I do like the white lights. I'm kind of a snob, and we we try not to be nasty Christians by you know talking about the color lights. But this display on the beach has all the colored lights, so <laughs> you kind of have to embrace a different type of experience when you're doing that. Well, Linda, but I don't know. Great. Yeah, I don't know if you know any good therapists, but Paul and I are, are pretty upset right now about the fact that you get to celebrate lights on the beach, right, Paul? Well, I know you're jealous. Well, I'm I mean, totally jealous right now. Okay, up until- I'm so jealous. Hey, we're doing a show on that uh in january so people need to stay tuned because we do have a lot of things that we get jealous about so you guys can work on it until the show then we'll listen to the show then we'll have a group therapy session after the show how's that that sounds great i will do the best i can not to nurse that jealousy during the holiday this time then we'll take a short break when we come back in just a minute or a little bit less Uh, let's get into some of the practices we can uh, expect to experience here over our covid christmas time how to handle it it's obviously a beautiful season it's a difficult season it's all of the above So we'd love to get your insights next here on Mornings Without Carmen.
And of course, Rachel Platten means that Dr. Linda Mintel is joining us. We've already heard her voice this morning. And Linda, even in this last minute or so over the break, I'm still got to admit, I have the vestiges of jealousy that, that still seem to persist. Do you, do you have any further tips that you can give me on this? So, you know, you need to take a deep breath and then you need to uh, look at your thoughts as we always do. (laughs) And we need to make our thoughts, not jealous thoughts, but thoughts of gratitude (laughs) and focus on what we have, what we don't have. Right. That's a lot of what we actually has to actually that's a good segue into what we have to do this year, because it is going to be so easy if you start thinking about. I can't do this. I can't do mm. that. These people can't come over. Why are we not able? And really, we're looking at a, a resiliency factor here, Peter. I'm not getting all serious on you. Yeah, here. no, it's but good. We're looking at a, <laughs> you notice, um, we're looking at a resilience factor here because one of the things that you really have to do when things are difficult is not focus on the negatives and what you can't do, but rather focus on, okay, it's going to be different. It's maybe not what I wanted to have happen, but what are the good things that can happen? And that lights on the beach that we were talking about, that was one thing we could do. We could drive around a community and everybody can drive around their community this this season and look for places, you know, where people go crazy with the lights and they have all those massive blow-ups and all kinds of crazy stuff to look at. You can stay in your car you can put on Christmas music, you can have your own hot chocolate in a mug, and you can have a night out and drive around and it's very safe. So think like that. Think about things like what can we do mm. up with the Christmas traditions that could be fun even in the year of a pandemic? Yeah, I once heard a sermon at, at some point, Linda, where the pastor, it'll stick with me for a lifetime, I'm sure, but the pastor said that we spend so much time in American culture looking up the ladder. I mean, we sort of live in this culture oh. of angst. We live in this culture of disgruntlement and discontent that that persists in our advertising industry, that persists in the messages that we might have vocationally or relationally, that that the promise of something good is just around the corner if you can get up the next rung of the ladder, but you're always discontent on wherever you are. And, and he made the point to say, if you can take a second and look down the ladder and, and, and look at all of what you do have and look at all of what is possible and, lo- and just look at the simple things in life, that's part of how we need to celebrate the, this Christmas is clearly there is going to be void and loss and... and uh, and just some of the pain and sorrow that comes from not being able to gather. And yet there still is good in this world. So I'd love for you to keep highlighting that a bit. Well, it, it's interesting. We did a, a show a show on Faith Radio for, for our weekend show. We did one on joy and finding joy in, a, in, the, in the pandemic. And what can you do to find joy? And I was looking up the di- dictionary definition of joy. And it, it was really kind of surprising to me because it was all about what you possess. Mm. And it was such a contrast between... Uh, the Christian version of joy, which is, it's it's really what you possess, which is Christ. It's really not about anything around us. It's not about the circumstances that we find ourselves in, because we know from story after story of people, including uh, the Apostle Paul, who was in prison, who wrote, rejoice, rejoice, and, all, and again, I say rejoice. He wrote that while he was in chains in prison. And there's so many times we hear through history where people are in horrible circumstances, and yet they have incredible joy. So our joy is really grounded in the person of Jesus Christ and the joy of the world, joy to the world. I mean, what are we talking about this season? We're talking about God sending his son to earth, the light that came in the middle of all that darkness that was happening in the culture, even at that time. And it continues to happen. And yet we have this incredible light in uh, the darkness that still exists today. And we're still talking about Jesus 2,000 years later and what joy he can bring in the middle of difficulty. So 
that's a focus that we really have to maintain. And I do think, Peter, I really do think because we've been so shut down this year, that there has been more focus on the spiritual part of Christmas and less commercialized. And I think in some ways, that's been a really good thing. Yeah, certainly. And I, I really appreciate the reference that you're talking about. Uh, that, that joy is understandably, I think, for many people, because of the waters that we're swimming in, in our culture, in our country, joy is often found for people in the circumstances. But that becomes a very conditional joy. And as circumstances right. change, so then does our experience of joy. And, and maybe that isn't <laughs> at all the eternal kind of joy that, that can exist independent of circumstances. And it doesn't do away with the pain and the sorrow, right? But joy has a capacity to persist and exist as a foundation underneath the pain and the sorrow. Yeah. And joy is very different than happiness. So, you know, the American culture is very focused on happiness. What do I have to do to be happy? And I want to be happy this year. And there aren't a lot of references to that in the Bible. Actually, when you look at it, it's more about even though we go through difficulty and I'm I'm very aware that there are a lot of people that are going to be celebrating this Christmas season with the loss of a loved one. I don't know about where you are, but in my community now, the COVID uh, people are testing positive that are friends of mine, uh, some family members. This is not removed on the news anymore. And so uh, it's a reality for so many more people. And so while we're, we're dealing with loss, we're dealing with the disappointment, our joy is in the Lord. It's not, we're not joyful for all this loss and disappointment. We're joyful because even in the middle of that, God comforts, he brings his peace, he calms our anxiety when it doesn't seem even possible. The, the, the scripture that I love to remember is the one that says, if we keep our minds stayed on Christ, then he's going to keep us in perfect peace so that our relationship with the Lord is fundamental in our mental health and our relationships and keeping us into a spirit of joy through this season, no matter what we're facing or have had to deal with and may continue to deal with during this time. Yeah. And, and I love the, just that you're referencing just how close to home this is starting to come. It, it seemed like maybe six, nine months ago, uh, the coronavirus is maybe something happening to your fifth cousin twice removed or something, but now it, it's our neighbors, it's our friends, it's our family. I know I've had several people deeply impacted by that. And, and it does invite connection still between us too, knowing that we have sort of the shared human experience. And, and during the Christmas season, I'm really compelled by the idea of how we can connect, not just virtually over Zoom, but one of the things that caught my attention as part uh, of the information we can talk about this morning is just the idea of the old school handwritten letter, right? I mean, to participate yes. in writing notes, handwritten, not email, not text, not, not something over Zoom, but there's something about the kinesthetic involvement of our actual body in writing a note that really does bring a connection and a personalness to this. Well, this is the the first uh, Christmas in a couple of years that I actually resurrected Christmas cards again. And um, that was for the very reason that you're talking about. I felt like there needed to be a much more personal connection to the people that I knew that I know. And I and I really said to our family, we really need to do this. So we took a crazy picture. Uh, we're all uh, with cleaning products. We've got, you know, toilet paper and uh, Clorox wipes and all kinds of stuff. And we're squirting them at each other and doing crazy stuff. It's a real crazy picture. But you know, we wanted to still connect with people on a more personal level. So I think you're going to see more of that where people are going to start to say, hey, maybe that's a little bit more personal than even a text. So I could text people. I can, I'm can. i going to put the picture on Facebook, but I really did 
want to send it out personally, take the time to write a sentiment to the people that we know and we love and are friends of ours and, and do it more personally. And that may be, again, a good thing that comes out of this is we're just doing too much on social media and we need to be much more interpersonally connected. And we're almost there. We just have to stay the course. And it's not going to be great uh, this year for us. We're, we've had to make some hard decisions. I've got two kids who are essential workers and uh, they're exposed all the time. And, um, you know, I'm in an older group where I really don't need to be exposed to people that have COVID. So we're going to do a very quick um, with a lot of masking and distancing and weirdness in our home. Um, and it will be short and there'll be all kinds of rules. And we had to have a lot of family discussion about this because not everybody's on the same page. And so this is a time where families really need to discuss before Christmas Eve, what are we going to do and what's acceptable? Because my concern, Peter, is that there are going to be a lot of families that are going to get really upset. And then there's going to be a lot of conflict during Christmas. And then people are going to get mad at each other for their positions and, you know, what they what they didn't talk about. So we need to do this before we all meet and make sure that not everybody's going to agree because, you know, I've got some people in my family who think I'm over overdoing it. But, you know, I work at a medical school. I'm around doctors. I've seen the surge in our local hospital that's been really significant this Christmas season. And it's nothing to uh, play around with. I keep saying to my family, look, we're almost at the finish line with this. We're, we're getting, we need to get through this safely. Just, just one time, it's a postponement till next year of the way we can do it like we used to do it. Mm, that's great stuff from Dr. Linda Mintel joining us regularly here on Mornings with Carmen. Linda, when we come back in just a minute, I would love to get your insight on how we can best shepherd our kids and our grandkids during this season as well so that their experience is not based out of fear but based on the hope of the kingdom. So more to come here with Dr. Linda Mintel next on Mornings Without Carmen. Joy to the world indeed. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge this morning, and we're chatting with Dr. Linda Mintel about how we can sort of adjust perhaps and reset our expectations around our COVID Christmas. And Linda, I just want to revisit for a second something you referenced before the break, and that is how we handle it when maybe our families and our extended families are in different places than we might be in terms of expectations, in terms of getting together. And I think specifically uh, of people that uh, perhaps are grandparents and, and, uh, and people that maybe have fewer years in front of them than they do behind them. There, there really can be this very understandable and deep desire to see the people and, and to not take another year off from seeing the people that, that they are most love, most care about. But how do we navigate that during this time? You know, first, we have to acknowledge that emotion and that loss. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, this is disappointing and this doesn't feel good. And, and we've had several conversations in our family where we've said, I don't even like this. You know, we're doing something that we don't even like, but we have to, it's necessary. I think one of the shifts that we need to make in the Christian world is this isn't always about our personal liberties. Mm. It's not always about what I get to do, what I want to do. That isn't even biblical. It's really more about how am I caring for my neighbor? You know, it's the it's the Good Samaritan story. Who is my neighbor? It could be my grandparents. It could be my children. It could be it could be you know friends who want to gather. 
And, and are we concerned about the impact of all of this on everyone? So we've had some, you know, conversations about where one person says, well, I want to be there. I want to, I want to, I don't care. I'm going to take the chance. But then we've had the other people in the group uh, be able to say, but if something happened to you, I don't know that I could deal with it. I don't know that I would ever get over the guilt. I would feel terrible. I don't, you know, I don't know how I would cope with that. And when they start to talk to each other and listen to each other's perspective, then we shifted the conversation to, all right, we have to do something that makes sense for the entire group. So we still want to have Christmas. We still want to do the things that we can. What are the traditions we can still do that we can do them safely? Now, you know, we all, we live and our listeners live, most of our listeners live in areas. We can't go outdoors for Christmas. Mm. I mean, I hear that from the CDC and I'm like, okay, right. I'm going to go outside at, you know, 45 degrees or 30 degrees or in Minnesota, minus 10. (laughs) Um, You know, that's not reasonable, but are there ways we can do different tables in the house? Are there ways we can mask during the time that we're there and then just eat in separate distancing places? You know, we're not going to do the traditional card games because we're touching things and doing things this year. So we're going to find some other ways that we can that we can have fun and maybe play some game where we're distanced in the house. Uh, it's those kinds of things where you really just need to talk it out so that everybody is not necessarily in agreement, but they understand why we're doing it that way. And they can agree to, again, postpone just a little bit. Maybe we can celebrate Christmas in July. I mean, they have those Hallmark things they do, <laughs> you know, maybe once we get the vaccines going and we we get back to some new normalcy again, then maybe families can resurrect and say, hey, we're going to have that Christmas we never had with Grandma Jones. You know, I just think we need to be vigilant a little longer because this disease is real. It's spreading like wildfire in so many parts of the country. And I don't want to lose a grandparent just because we were, you know, not being careful this year. Mm. And that's not fearful. That's based on science. And and I, I really encourage, let me just put a little plug in for our, our weekend show on, Jan, on January 9th. We're going to have Dr. Richard Lane back, who's a Christian infectious disease uh, doctor, tropical medicine, missionary doctor, loves the Lord, retired physician, who is just following the data like, like, terrifically. And he's been, he was, we did two shows with him in the summer when we were in the midst of it. And he's going to come and he's going to dispel a bunch of the myths about the vaccines and try to help us in that aspect as well. Yeah, it's super helpful. Linda. And I just want to reference the idea that for Paul and I, uh, 45 degrees, that's going to, that's going to demand shorts that's and t-shirts at this that, point. That shorts and t-shirts. Yeah, yeah that is shorts and t-shirts. We, we'd be outside all day and in that weather. Linda, we got a couple minutes left. I do want to hit on the impact of just Christmas on our, on our young people, our kids and our grandkids. And, and I was with a physician a little while ago that talked about uh, the wearing of masks, uh, however appropriate that is. And it is that uh, it still does sort of fire up the amygdala in our brain uh, to, to think about fear, to think about our response when you see a masked up person. And, and kids might be living with a lot of fear for a lot of different reasons in the season. How do we help the, shepherd them through that and, and recognize uh, that we do not have to be fearful in this time? Yeah. And you know, I'm a family therapist. So I do, I've been, I've done a lot of work with families. And I'm going to say something that you, I think, know already, Peter, but so much of what kids experience uh, in in a situation like this has to do with how calm the adults are. Mm. So if the parents are not fearful, if the parents are just kind of routinely saying, "Oh, let's get a fun mask," you know, make get it buy a fun one. There's so many fun ones now that people have been very creative about, and we're just going to do this because this is part of our fun Christmas, our 2020 fun Christmas. You know that we have to do this. 
if you present this as the parents in a no big deal, you know, it's just for a moment um, and you don't get anxious, kids are going to pick up on that because kids pick up on the anxieties of their parents and they can feel it. They can't process it necessarily depending on their age. They don't have the, you know, they have very concrete thinking when they're younger. They can't really abstract what's going on. Not a lot of this makes sense, Um, but you can, they can feel it from the people around them. So if everybody is calm and they've agreed on a, a you know, a, a sort of a strategy and they rehearse some of these things ahead of time. So you say, okay, here's our mask. We're going to put it on when we're with grandma. We're going to wear this, this kind of fun mask and let grandma see this, you know, and you do it in a very matter of fact, kind of fun way. Kids will be okay. They'll, they'll be able to go along with a lot of this, but the parents have to really be calm and settled and not anxious so that they don't feel that. Uh, Linda, such uh, helpful advice for parents and grandparents and our kids as well. And, and I even have to confess that in these last 20 minutes, maybe I've even gotten over a little bit of the jealousy that, that you enacted ah. in my life about the beach. So, so thanks as always for the wisdom that you have for us and the therapy needs. Hey, it's always great to talk with you. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. All the listeners, hey, thanks for listening to the show. And we love you and have a safe and healthy Christmas. Yeah, you too, Linda. Thanks so much. We'll take a short break away. And when we come back for the second half of this final hour of Mornings Without Carmen, we'll be talking with Reverend Justin Jepson about this child that has been born to us in a government that exists on his shoulders that inaugurated the kingdom that knows no end as a final bit of hope here in the last segment of Mornings Without Carmen. Paul Stone Street is talking about It's a Wonderful Life this morning, and you were scandalized by uh, the the reveal that I just provided for you that I actually have not ever, I've not ever seen It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about this uh, movie, Paul? Because I know, obviously, when we're shut in like this, we're looking for things to watch. You gotta be kidding! You <laughs> got the movie has been out since 1946. I... It's 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 on. Practically every Christmas Eve on NBC. How can you say you've missed it? <laughs> I know it calls my doctor into question. It calls my probably my faith into question in many. It calls <laughs> a lot ways. of things a into lot. question, dude. Here's here's what I promise you, Paul. Between now and the next time I'm on with you on Thursday morning on Carmen Show as part of that Thursday morning segment, I will have watched. Well, it's okay, a wonderful. That's going to be Thursday morning after New Year's. So, so I'm you know, giving myself a couple of weeks right now you to have be able a to watch. It's weeks. a wonderful. I mean, pull life. it up on you know. You're the rich man here. You can pull it up. On- <laughs> <laughs> I'll pull it up on Netflix or somewhere. If you're yeah, listening but, this yeah, morning, I'm- there's many Christmas movies that I have not seen, quite frankly. I'd love to hear from you as listeners. Any suggestions? I can forgive you for not seeing The Lemon Drop Kid. Yeah, no, but but, but it's a wonderful life. So It's if you're, a wonderful life. Come if on. you're listening this morning, I would love your suggestions over the holiday season of something to watch related to Christmas. Uh, please text into the studio at 877-933-2484. Any suggestions for what I can watch? Up next, Justin Jepson, and we will talk about the kingdom that this beautiful child that was born to us inaugurated some 2,000 years ago. A remarkable gift can arrive in an unremarkable package. One did in Bethlehem. This is Max Licato. We don't often think of Paul in our Christmas reflections, yet we should. His words in Philippians 2, 5-11 are the Bible's most eloquent summary of the Bethlehem promise. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very form of a servant, Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death 
on a cross. Therefore God called him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is Max Locato because of Bethlehem. Great choice, Paul Perot, bringing in this segment. I love that uh, that Christmas Carol, that specific one here. It is about 20 minutes before the top of the hour. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge and delighted to be joined at this time by good friend, the Reverend Justin Jepson, who, among many things that he does in life, is uh, in charge or at least oversees a lot of the spiritual formation for young people at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, the overarching organizations here that's part of Faith Radio. Good morning, Justin. Hey, good morning, Peter. Great to be with you this morning. Yeah, Merry always, Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. Always uh, <laughs> great to be with you on Bill Arnold's show in the afternoon as well on Thursday afternoons with Guy Talk and appreciate the wisdom. And one of the things you and I talk about often, Justin, is about life in God's kingdom and what it means to be a part of this kingdom. And, and clearly a passage with which our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar this time of year does talk about this kingdom of which we're a part that somehow transcends anything going on in, in our existing circumstances. And so I'll read a little passage from Isaiah nine, and we can start with this, where it says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwelt in the land in the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful and Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And Justin, in the midst of all of the troubling circumstances that have been 2020 between the racial unrest, and you and I have talked at length about that, both in chapels at Northwestern, off the air, on the air. Of course, we've got the political divisions going on, and we have COVID that seems to be always the kind of the shadow or this blanket over us it is maybe one way and maybe the most helpful way to remember that regardless of what's going on in this broken world there is a kingdom of beauty wonder and delight that persists and exists and does know no end mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i think that's such a great comfort and and in a really practical way you know i think uh, i've heard a lot of christians talk about in the midst of all the unrest and division and uncertainty you know we'll, we'll kind of tout this phrase you know god is still on his throne and uh, and that's absolutely true, but I think sometimes we think about that in a, in such a futuristic sense um, about the the coming kingdom or Jesus will come back to restore and make all things new, and that certainly is our blessed hope. But I think this directly points to uh, you know Matthew and Jesus fulfilling this at the beginning of his ministry. There's a focus of the kingdom now, and in the midst of, of, of all of the difficulty and unrest and uncertainty, there are kingdom opportunities for us to live in light of that kingdom as, as ambassadors of the kingdom in the here and now. And Justin, we, you and I have talked, and, and this sort of, I know that Disney has recently released a series of new shows that are coming out and spinoffs of The Mandalorian, new episodes, and there's, there's confirmed things. There's also rumored shows, and, and I know one of the many different rumored shows part of Disney is a new universe of Star Wars kinds of things, and, and you and I are living in a rumored show as well. You just referenced that, that maybe after the first of the year, we're going to start a podcast, uh, the two of us, called The Kingdom Now, about life in God's kingdom and what it means to be an ambassador of that kingdom in the midst of this. 
And I'd love for you to just comment a bit about that idea of living in the kingdom now as a way, again, of of dealing with the circumstances around us. Because we were just talking with Linda Mintel in the first half of this hour that it's important to verbalize our disappointments. It's important to recognize the joy that we have. But, but I think even deeper than that is this invitation to remember where our actual citizenship lies. And, and there's something about that citizenship that is permanent and durable and knows no end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lord willing, that's that's our that's our plan to start a, a podcast to be able to carry this conversation and be a place for um, others to to join in that conversation together. Um, but 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 I think that you know this idea of a kingdom now, you know, theologians across um, you know the last couple of centuries have made a distinction between the the tension between the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And uh, what they're referring to is they're pointing back to the kingdom of God that Jesus inaugurated or began over two thousand years ago when he stepped foot kind of into the public square and began his public ministry. And the passage that you alluded to of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And so there's been this trajectory and uh, of, of an increase of his government, of, of his kingdom that is outside any uh, particular denomination, um, outside of you know any type of political ideology, um, outside of even just one's own maybe personal experience that it's greater and bigger, but yet it involves all of those things. And um, I think one of the really helpful concepts for me, um, and it's real, you know, as it pertains to, uh, in a real practical sense to our discipleship, um, going back to when Jesus, you know, said that the kingdom of God is near, um, I lo- uh, and that repent um, and believe and, and believe in the gospel. Um, I love Mark's phrase of that, Mark's version of that, Mark one fifteen. He says that the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he says the time is fulfilled. Um, he's using the Greek word kairos, which is distinguishing for that from chronos, which is, you know, we think of chronology, we think of uh, time in a linear sense. It's measured in minutes. Um, you know, we see that it's 7.44 a.m. on December 20, was it first, second, first, yeah, uh, whatever <laughs> yep. the date is here, right? But, but this idea of kairos, um, it, it's talking about an appointed season or a moment of time where God uh, enables something of lasting significance to occur. And um, and that happened the the moment that that Jesus said that um, and those kingdom those kairos moments I believe are available for us every single day that that it takes uh, that it's measured not in minutes but in moments that there are certain moments and seasons of time where God has enabled something of lasting of significance to occur and here's the here's the great part it involves us it involves our participation. And, and so the kingdom of God, well, I love to put it this way, while the increase of his government kingdom will know no end, uh, Jesus doesn't need us to participate in his kingdom, but he wants us to. He delights in us to. He invites us to on a daily basis. And I think that's the focus um, of the kingdom now uh, concept, uh, and that's really the, the hope and the encouragement that it can provide for every single Christian. Mm, Justin Jepson is our guest this morning here. He is chapel director at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, also oversees the spiritual formation of our young people. And uh, Justin, when we come back from a short break, I want to get into a little bit about what we see in the next generation too, because there is great hope and it does really represent when we see the, both the similarities and the commonalities uh, of the next generation with sort of the faith of my generation, your generation, the generation in front of us, that there's real hope in that. But there's also real differences in the challenges that they face too. So we'll talk more about life in the kingdom from that perspective up next with Justin Jepson. Glory to the newborn king indeed. We've been talking a little bit about the beautiful kingdom of Jesus that 
He inaugurated some 2,000 years ago, reading through this passage of Isaiah 9 as a place of hope for us this morning in the midst of the COVID and all the circumstances around us. Again, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. Of the increase of that peace, there will be no end. And Justin, uh, you and I have what I would consider to be sort of this sacred, often breathtaking privilege and and somewhat responsibility to be with the next generation on a really regular basis. You, as you're with them in chapel and in spiritual formation, me in the classroom with them. And and among the many things that that opportunity provides is is you get to see that God really is at work in this kingdom that knows no end. And and so one Mm. of the ways in which we can help sort of sort through the difficulty of the day is to recognize that we are part of a much bigger story that will continue Mm. post our lives and and, and generations to come. And and we can anchor ourselves in that story during the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is such a such a privilege and an honor. Um, and I, I know I can look back maybe a little more recently than you can, Peter. But uh, you know, back to our <laughs> college days, right? Um, for me, it was such a um, a formational period of, of of life and one that really set and shaped a trajectory um, of which I'm still on. And part of that was, you know, being awakened to the reality of of Jesus as King and, and as a King of a kingdom that He involves me as as a, as a citizen. And um, and I, and I think that, that this next generation is really is longing for something that they um, can hinge their hitch their lives to uh, and and give their ultimate allegiance to that is bigger and beyond themselves, uh, but still has very practical implications for how they engage in the world and the culture uh, around them. And uh, it, it is it absolutely it's such an honor in both you know chapel and the classroom, just the general community, and through conversations with um, this next generation to get to be a part of that same trajectory shaping work that the Lord did in my life, um, you know, about a decade and a half ago or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Justin, too, when you talk about that, and we just talk about how we as families with our parents and our grandparents during the season, that uh, one, one sort of defining feature of the next generation is they really don't affiliate themselves with a given denominational or a mm-hmm. denomination and denominations are not bad. They just don't necessarily affiliate themselves with a denomination, with a specific version or river mm-hmm. uh, of faith in which we swim. And and so this mm-hmm. can be an invitation for all of us during this Christmas season to sort of come together about life in the kingdom and, and what that looks like and, and help our young people continue to take those steps forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the you know, the kingdom of God um, is is something that, you know, on one hand, it, it, it is invitational, um, that, that it's that it's all inclusive in terms of you look at who Jesus invited to sit with him at a table, um, who he invited into fellowship, into relationship. I mean, even I mean, goodness, look at who he invited into to, to be his disciples and his <laughs> apostles. But but at, at the other hand, it's also confrontational. Um, it's also, you know, if his kingdom is coming, every other kingdom must go and bow a knee to this kingdom. And so um, in the same way that Jesus confronted the kingdoms of, of his day, the kingdom of God is also confronting the systems um, uh, and the, 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 the factions and, and the things that, that we, uh, you know, people kind of give their ultimate allegiance to, maybe if they're not careful in place of the kingdom of God. Um, and, and, and I think students, you know, they're, I think they're looking for more of a nuance, where if, whether it's it's not this or that it's it's either or but there's a sense of a both and 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 it's not it's not an it's not a neutral um by any means but it includes um uh, you know rep- representation um and uh of diverse perspectives and opinions because i because i think one of the things that i've noticed is 
you know, um, if you say a student, you know, this is the way or this is the denomination or this is the this this is the perspective, I guarantee that they have a friendship or relationship in their life that has something that that diverges from that perspective, mm-hmm. and then they need to wrestle with how do I um, how do I engage in that? Then you know, it's not so like you know I'm right, you're wrong. While there is truth, there are certainly black and white issues, but the kingdom, I think, gives us a a, a tethering to historic you know you know uh, historical Christian orthodoxy but also gives a fresh representation and an expression of a Christian orthopraxy. And I think closes the gap between the right belief and the right living. Um, and, and students are looking for that authentic um, expression of Christianity. And it, it, one other thing I'd add here and something that I've really been uh, compelled by recently is that you look at the, the generation, um, when you say next generation, I think it's sometimes, you know, our listeners, who, who are we exactly talking about mm-hmm. You know, and you say Generation Z, um, you know, according to Pew Research, um, uh, they, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes it's difficult to dis- discern, you know, what, where, when does one generation begin, when does the other end, another one begin, that type of thing. But uh, really they say that those – we're talking about those that were born between the years of 1997 to 2012 or those between the ages of 7 to 22. And one of the things that they, they, would, they would go on to say is that the genera- this generation is the most, the most ethnically diverse generation that our world has ever, that our country has ever seen. And for me, what I've been pondering is that if that's true, to the degree that's true, is it also potentially true that this generation can make the greatest contribution to the fulfillment of the Great Commission than any other generation? Mm. Just, and, yeah. No, well, no, I, I, yeah. I, that's profound. <laughs> Carry on with that, because I think that's profound, yeah. the ability to cross divides, still still serving the one true king, but but there is a diversity uh, of thought and, and ability to navigate that diversity in a different way than past generations. Absolutely. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and it's not detached from other generations. And so I think the you know, this, this uh, you know, Gen Z, this next generation is looking for more generational integration. Yes. Uh, you know, both with at the lo- in the local church level. That's one of the beautiful things about, you know, serving at a place like Northwestern. There's, you know, we, we have that multi-generational dynamic that, and I think that's part of what we, you know, we've experienced the, the power uh, of that. And I think the students are looking for that and the longing for that community to be, to be mentored, to be discipled. And, um, you know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, you know, uh, you know, in terms of the fulfillment of the Great Commission, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of conversations recently in the classroom with students about, you know, signs of the end times and the coming of God's kingdom. Um, but really, you know, it says that this gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14, will have to be preached or proclaimed to all all, uh, all peoples, all ethnos, all, all people groups, um, all nations, and then the end will come. And so I think that not only does the kingdom clarify this generation's identity as beloved sons and daughters of a perfect heavenly father and his kingdom as ambassadors, but it also sets a trajectory for a kingdom, uh, not just their perspective, but their purpose of knowing that whether they're in the medical field, whether they're a stay-at-home parent, whether they're a teacher, whether they're an engineer, whether whatever it is, that it's attached to something greater than just that vocational profession, but it's actually attached to a great commission that's a part of God's ever-increasing kingdom. Hmm. I love it, Justin. Thanks for the, the words of wisdom this morning about God's kingdom, a way we can be anchored within it. I hope you have a great week ahead celebrating. I know that you and Maddie have a growing family as well, and uh, that next generation is right in your own home. So looking forward to some yeah. conversations after the new year with you. Have a great Christmas and new year ahead. Thank you so much, Peter. You too. Great to be with you. As I was to take a short break and wrap up our show here uh, on Mornings Without Carmen for the 21st of December.
Well, Paul Perot, great to be with you. Great to be with all our guests. I can't recommend highly enough if you missed some of the program this morning, going back to hear these great guests, whether it be Zach Jenkins, as we started out about infectious diseases, uh, talking with Linda Randall. Then in the second half of last hour, uh, just with, with some of the great Christmas music she brought, Linda Mintel, good suggestions about how to handle in practical ways in the, the, the Christmas season. And of course, Justin talking about life in the kingdom, just reminding us of where our central identity is and that we just... We can be people who are living in difficulty, but in that difficulty, we don't have to be afraid. You know, okay, a little bit of a teaser. Now, next week here on Mornings with Carmen, we'll have a best of week. And one of the interviews we did was with Bruce Ashford, and he's got a new he's book great. out called The uh, Doctrine of Creation. Yes, which, I have that book, yeah. Yes, and again, a kingdom mindset, there's very much that in there. I've been actually reading through it. Uh, it's not an easy read, mm-hmm. but it's a good read. It is a good read. It, but, yeah, focusing on the kingdom... In the midst of all our squabbling right now, I mean, having that bigger view outside of something greater, so important right It now. is so important. So thanks for listening this morning. Delightful to be with all of you. Whatever's happening in the season ahead for you, do really wish you the very best of Merry Christmas this week, that the light that has come into this world would be part and parcel of your experience, whether it be around the dinner table, around the presents, around the tree, uh, zooming in on a Christmas service, whatever you're doing, we are part of a kingdom that knows no end. I'm Peter Kapsner signing out for today. We'll catch you soon on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.